advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Raw Entrepreneurs Season 1, Episode 9. This is the last episode of our launch series, and the one that almost didn't make it. Dr. Judy Morgan has been practicing veterinary medicine for 36 years now, running two vet clinics, is an accomplished public speaker, author of four books, educator, and entrepreneur businesswoman with her own online web store selling her own line of natural pet health products, who has won numerous awards including 2018 Woman of the Year in the Pet Industry and 2019 Pet Age Woman of Influence. Holy moly, the list is long. So just click on the link below to find out more about her. Did I mention she's a teacher? I never had. This is Dr. Judy's origin story and her journey as an entrepreneurial integrative vet of both Western and Eastern medicine. Hello everyone, this is Amrys Wang from The Raw Entrepreneur. I have a very, very, very special guest today. Uh, she is one of my heroes, my personal idols that I've been following since I joined social media, which is not too long ago. But I love her to bits, and I think I love her husband as well. <laughs> no, I do love her husband as well. Um, this is Dr. Judy Morgan. Um, I don't know what I can say because she's got this huge long list of accolades, which, you know, I, I will try and do a pre-recording because right now I'm in awe of her and I've got her live and she's a super duper busy woman. Um, hi, Dr. Judy. And thank you for, for saying yes you know, to this interview, I know you've been so busy and with this coronavirus going on, it has impacted your, your practice as well, you know, um, so thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. I, I really enjoy doing these and any chance that I have to help um, educate as well as entertain pet owners and pet lovers, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to do that. So thank you very much. Well, um, Dr. Judy, could you share with um, our audience, especially the ones who might not be familiar with your work, um, you know, who you are and, you know, who is Dr. Judy Morgan? <laughs> oh, how much time do you have? Uh, so I uh, grew up as a child. We had uh, two dogs. We had a house pet dog. 
um, and a hunting dog that was my dad's hunting dog. And I, we weren't really, I mean, my mom grew up on a farm, so she was a real animal person. She loves baby anything. And I guess I get from her. I started riding horses and joined 4-H when I was in junior high school, so seventh grade. And in about, ooh, ninth or 10th grade, one of my horses, show horses, needed to have a surgery in order for him to be able to retire comfortably. And my riding instructor's daughter was an equine veterinarian, and she came down from Canada for the summer, and she did a surgery on my pony just to allow him to be turned out into the field more comfortably and live for the rest of his life. And she allowed me to assist, and I I was just, I was enamored. And uh, from that moment on, I was just absolutely 100% I'm going to do this. And I actually wanted to be an equine veterinarian. I wanted to do horses only. And um, that kind of fell by the wayside about senior year of veterinary school. Um, I, I did an internship with an equine veterinarian in January, which is the coldest part of winter for us in New Jersey. It was snowy, it was cold, it was icy. We were in all these barns and out at the racetracks and I froze to death. I hate cold weather, I hate it. And I said, so what I, about a month later, I got a job offer to work for a horse practice and also a job offer to work in a small animal practice. So the horse practice, we all know that's seven days a week, you're on call 24 hours a day, you're going out on emergencies, it doesn't matter whether it's 120 degrees outside or 20 degrees outside, you're going. And then I got this job offer for the same amount of money in a small animal clinic, uh, working 35 hours a week, no emergency coverage, heat, air conditioning, and I went, hmm. Okay, so I totally changed what I was doing. And I worked in traditional small animal practice for the first 10 years uh, out, out of veterinary school. Then I bought my own practice and I took, uh, I accidentally took a chiropractic course. I thought it was something else and then discovered I was learning chiropractic for animals. Loved it, saw a huge difference in my patients. So I wanted to learn more holistic things. I learned acupuncture, I learned herbal therapy, I learned food therapy. I really fell in love with traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. The four branches of that are acupuncture, herbs, food, and something called Tui Na, which is a, a bit like massage and chiropractic. So I took all of that knowledge and uh, learned a little bit about essential oils and homeo homeopathy, and just kind of as much as I could grab into my brain. Uh, and never looked back. So now I am an integrated veterinarian. I still practice traditional therapies. I, I love doing surgery, uh, but I always incorporate my alternative therapies along with that. And I think it gives me more tools in my toolbox. And uh, about five years ago, I was asked to write down for a group of friends on a Facebook group, uh, my recommendations for vaccines, heartworm prevention, parasite prevention, food, uh, you know, some of my natural stuff. And they were, they were just going to keep all those documents in, uh, in the Facebook group for people to access so that they wouldn't keep asking me the same question a hundred times over. And I jokingly said, well, maybe I'll write a book. And so that's how my first book from Needles to Natural came about. And I was one of those foolish first time authors, by the way, writing a book is really fun and there's nothing more gratifying when you get to, so 
uh, I don't know if we have video on this, but my book, when I got the first hardcover book with my name on the front, it was like giving birth to a baby. And it was just like, oh, I love it. It's, you know, it's my baby. But then I discovered that people don't know about your baby. You have to advertise your baby. So then I, that's how I got really going on social media and started my Judy Morgan DVM, which is my professional Facebook page. It was really to market my book. That's, that's how the whole thing started. And so then we came out with a second book the next year, a third book the next year, a fourth book the next year. And the last two years I've been really lazy and have not written another book. It's in the works, but I'm, you know, I'm, um, so that's really how I got to be known. I do have two small animal practices in New Jersey. So I still work and run two practices and uh, all of this has become, and I, then I also have a web store with my own line of supplements plus other natural supplements that I endorse. Um, so it's, it's kind of gone from, I want to be an animal doctor to, wow, I own a whole bunch of businesses and work a lot. And I've rooked most of my family into the business now as well. <laughs> so that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, um, I think you're a superwoman truly because from a vet <laughs> to an author and then opening up, you know, to, to all these alternative therapies. I mean, what 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 would have been what would you say was the first you know encounter for you to think about food therapy in, in particular because that's like one of your superpowers i would say <laughs> food therapy is my superpower and it's interesting because when you find you're passionate that's how you become successful when you find your passion and then it's not work because when you're talking about something you love whether it's you know rescue, for me it's food therapy, for Dr. Melissa Shelton it's essential oils, it, it becomes fun. And when I took my first acupuncture course, I'll, I'll never forget, um, I was sitting in a classroom with probably 40 people and we were talking about kidney disease and from a TCVM perspective and what acupuncture you would use and what the, you know, the tongue and pulse diagnosis, the symptoms, from a Chinese medicine standpoint instead of from a traditional medicine standpoint. And so then they talk, started talking about foods that could be used. And so for years, I in traditional practice, we sold prescription diets like nobody's business. I mean, we made a lot of money. We sold a lot of diets, but our, the animals never really thrived. Their coats were always dull. They just looked terrible. Um, and I'll never forget in that first lecture, uh, our instructor said, well, you know, normally you would use that KD. We call it killer diet. And my eyeballs kind of got big. And I was like, I thought it stood for kidney diet. And, um, but when I really thought about it, I thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it, we need, we, we should call it the killer diet because it, it doesn't work uh, very well and it causes a lot more problems. And so that's when the little light bulb went on in my head, wow, there's a better way to do this. And so I really just jumped onto the food therapy part of Chinese medicine very early on. And it's interesting because when we talk about food from a TCBM perspective, uh, we talk about the different properties of food. So whether they help drain dampness or drain fluid out of the body or help resolve stagnation by getting the blood flowing and the energy moving or whether they help dissolve fat and phlegm, whether they help warm the body or cool the body. 
And it's really interesting. I can actually feel and taste and experience what each food will go will do just by talking about a food. Uh, and it's an innate thing. It's like people who were born with uh, perfect pitch, musicians who are born with perfect pitch. Somehow I was born with this knowledge of what foods do. So maybe in a past life, I was some Chinese medicine guru. I don't know. Uh, but it's really interesting to me. And the funny thing is I had a brain injury last August and uh, fractured my skull. And one of the interesting pieces of it was I lost my sense of taste and smell. And it's come back in a very weird way. And when I went to the neurologist, he said, wow, I've never heard of that. That's really weird. I'm like, well, thanks. That's great. But now we're hearing it with the coronavirus, that that's one of the symptoms that people lose their sense of smell and taste. So it all has to do with where the virus affects your brain, uh, or in my case, where the injury affects your brain. But the interesting thing is, even though I my food tastes weird, I still, in my mind, can taste things when I talk about it. So if you say, you know, what, what are the properties of asparagus? I can still taste it in my mind, even though I can't taste it in my mouth. So, uh, so yeah, I, it, it is a superpower for me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I love your superpower. I mean, uh, you know, uh, cause I am a volunteer animal welfare advocate and I do rescue work and I foster cats, sometimes the occasional dog that comes my way. But, um, I started to apply what I learned from, from you, uh, from your blog, and then from your Breakfast with Spaniels, you know, listening to every day. I, I just loved it. I mean, I absorb it. And I'm, I'm one of those OCD people. I will actually put you on replay until, <laughs> until it gets in. You know, I'm just one of those people. If I like something, I'll just keep watching and listening and watching and listening. And I have to say, you're always on repeat most of the time. <laughs> Well, it's funny because people, <laughs> people will say, you know, my dog hears the music come on and they come running and they, they bark back and forth with our dogs that are on the recording. <laughs> and, you know, pe people say, oh, geez, even my husband knows your voice when I turn it on now. <laughs> I'm no. in everyone's living room, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 love, I love your breakfast in Spaniel. It's, it's become something that fucks me up. And especially with this whole, you know, hoo-ha with coronavirus listening to the music, the opening music. I mean, normally people might be, you know, might get impatient when they listen to the opening songs, but I don't. I actually love it and I'll be humming around and pottering around and going with it. <laughs> I find myself humming it in the middle of the day for no reason. Uh, but, you know, there's, a, there's an interesting story with that. One of my coaches, one of my mentors who helped us get our books to number one, taught me how to market books because I did it backwards. I wrote the book and then had to figure out how to market it. And uh, so when we started the Facebook Lives and then it became Breakfast of Spanish, we actually started that in one of his offices with one of the coaches. And he said, well, have you ever heard of this Facebook Live thing? Maybe we should try it. And so after we started Breakfast with Spaniels, which was a couple of months later, my, the main coach, he said, well, I'm going to have to go on your Facebook page and see what you're doing and see what this is and why it works. And so he went and watched one and then he sent me an email and he said, well, I don't get it because you have over a minute at the beginning where there's just dogs sleeping on a table 
and this music playing. Like if I just went to your page, I would be so bored. You know, people's attention span is 30 seconds or less. So you got to get right to it in the first 30 seconds. You can't have dogs sleeping and music playing for a minute and a half. And I said, ah, but you don't understand. First of all, people love the music, most of them. Every once in a while I get somebody who hates it and I'm just like, well, you're just a negative Nelly. So thank you, noted, but I'm not changing for you. Um, but people like the music and it also gives them that minute and a half to know that we are on and to get everybody tuned in. They grab their cup of coffee, whatever. It gives them that time to get themselves in place. We try to be pretty close to the same time every day, but we're not always. So it gives them time to kind of get there. And we have been noticing lately, and I don't know if it's just because of the overwhelm and the numbers of people on social media and on the internet, but it's taking Facebook a long time to notify people that we're live. And so we watch the numbers tick up and I can tell by how quickly the numbers are going up, who's watching, how many people are watching and whether Facebook actually sent out the notifications. And I can usually know when the notification goes out, how far, because then all of a sudden I see a big jump in the numbers. Uh, so I, I, I politely told my coach, nope, we need that minute and a half. <laughs> we got snorting dogs and we've got music. <laughs> well, you know your market better than he does, to be honest. And I think those, well, who, love yeah. you, those who love you, they love it, you know. It's, yes, your, yeah. it's your signature. It's your signature call to, 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 to the world, you know, just to let them know that yep. you're coming online. Hurry up, get your seat, get, get ready, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and if you're watching it later on, you can always fast forward and just move your cursor over a minute and a half if you don't want to listen to the music. No, <laughs> I always listen. I watch you on replay every day. And I have to say, I always make sure that I watch the beginning. <laughs> and I just enjoy the music. I think, I don't know, like yeah. I said, you perk me up. You're one of the things that make me happy <laughs> every day. And I have that. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I've had uh, people ask me if they can get it as a ringtone. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, I would like to have it as a ringtone on my phone. <laughs> but, I'll have to ask someone who is more tech savvy than me. <laughs> how, how, how did you... Um, you know, uh, how long have you been speaking? I mean, publicly. Uh... Oh, well, frankly, uh, since I was about 13, uh, when I was a freshman in high school, my, one of my English teachers wanted to teach public speaking. And so she took uh, probably four or five students to a competition in Philadelphia. And I still have the trophy. I got fifth place. I was the only one from our school who uh, got anything. I got fifth place. And I still have the trophy from when I was 13 years old. And I love, I was hooked. I was hooked. And the people who were above me in the placings, I watched their talks and I went, I want to be as good as them. Those people blew my socks off. They were amazing. And so I've worked at it and I've enjoyed it. My mom's a teacher. And I think I get the teaching part from her. I get the love of animals from her and I get the teaching part from her as well. I love to teach. And uh, some of these seminars that we've done, we did one in Canada. It was a seven hour seminar and I don't prepare anything. I don't use PowerPoints. I don't use notes. And 
at the beginning, it freaked you, my husband, it freaked him out a little bit when we would schedule these things. And he's like, you have to go talk for four hours and you have nothing prepared. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And I, I literally, I let the audience lead the way. They ask a question and then I babble. And so that seven hour seminar, I don't think I ever shut up for seven hours. And it was not a problem. And I could have gone for another seven. There was so much information. So uh, I just, I really enjoy, again, it's one of those uh, passion pursuits. When you find something you love, it's not work. Uh, speaking is just fun to me. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I've watched you and, I've, and observed you for, for quite a while. And I, I just think that you're so natural. You, that's why I say you're like a superwoman. <laughs> you know, well, so I'm good at the things I'm good at. <laughs> I, there's a lot of things I don't do well. Like, don't tell me how to figure, just getting onto this Zoom meeting, uh, my computer, there, I keep saying one of these days, Hugh's going to come down and he's going to find me strangled in all the computer cords because we, between the microphones and the, the mouse and the, the, all the connections and you should, I had this big knot of cords, but, and I broke my favorite coffee cup, getting it tangled up in the cords. So don't ask me to do anything technical. Don't ask me to program things. Uh, we all have things that we're good at. We just need to figure out what that is and then pursue that. <laughs> Oh. Human medicine, I, I cannot do. I don't do human blood. Um, and it's interesting with the coronavirus outbreak, all the veterinarians and veterinary staff, we were sent emails from the government saying we needed all of our PE that we had. They needed our anesthesia machines. They needed some of the drugs that we had. Uh, if we had ventilators, they wanted them. And they also were asking us to volunteer to help in the hospitals. And I, clearly we're medical people, we're doctors. But so I looked at that and I said, oh, I can't possibly do that because it's putting Hugh and my mom, who lives with us, at high, too high a risk because we're in that age group. We're in the demographics that you don't want to get exposed. So that was the first problem. But Hugh just looked at me and said, you can't even stay in the kitchen when I cut myself with a knife. How are you going to deal with people and bodily fluids and ventilators and medicine? And I said, yeah, I'm not. You're right. I can't. Like, I just can't. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, no. So I'm not good at I'm not good at people medicine either. Don't ask me to fix anything. <laughs> oh no, I love you as you are. You know, it's fine. I think you're just amazing. You know, um, I I just I'm just always in awe because you know looking at your journey um, from vet to author, a businesswoman to start your own clinic. I mean, that took a lot of chutzpah. On, on you know, I mean. I can't, I can't. <laughs> you know, it does. And it's funny because people say, uh, oh, well, you know, you make so much more money being the owner of the clinic. And I'm like, okay, but I was willing to go out and borrow $1 million to start. Are you wow. willing to go out and borrow $1 million? At one point I was over $2 million in debt. So, and actually I only have 14 months left and my clinics will be paid off. <laughs> so it's been a very, very long journey. You know, anybody could do it if you're, if you're willing to put yourself out there and risk that much. And let me tell you, when you have a million or $2 million in debt, you, whatever it takes, 
and I do mean you will whatever it takes. Well, and for me, I'm also a very honest, um, and, and my integrity and my morals are at the very top of everything I do. So there have been some shady deals along the way. Um, veterinarians have been asked for many years to sell um, like flea and tick and heartworm medications on the black market so that they can be sold on big sites like Amazon and 1-800-PET-MEDS and that sort of thing. And it, I, I had people saying to me, oh, well, I make an extra $10,000 a month profit doing that. And I just kept saying, no, I mean, no, I'm not getting involved in the black market. I'm not, my integrity comes first. I, if I'm going down, if, I, if the ship is going to sink, I'm at least going to, you know, hold my white flag up and, and do it with uh, my integrity intact. So I think that's a, a lot of it as well. Um, entrepreneurs don't necessarily make more money. Entrepreneurs put a lot more at risk. Uh, but again, if you're passionate about it and you love what you do, and I don't always love what I do. There are some parts of practice I don't like. I have been practicing as of two weeks from now, it will be 36 years. Wow. 36 years is a long time, long time to do the same thing. Uh, I'm getting a little tired. Um, there are parts that, for instance, I love the public speaking. And so I said, well, I'd like to retire from clinical practice soon, but I love the public speaking. Well, then along comes COVID-19. Traveling and speaking in large groups of people just got taken out of the mix. I have canceled every event for the next year. And so we, it becomes the, uh, the entrepreneurial spirit then has to kick in and you say, well, now what? I love public speaking. I don't want to be in a, a convention hall with 20,000 people. I don't want to expose my mother. I don't want to expose my husband. I don't want to expose my new grandchild who's going to arrive in August. How do we do this differently? So we came up with an idea the weekend that our last uh, expo that we were supposed to do was canceled. We said, all right, there's got to be something we can do instead. First of all, we were disappointed that we weren't going to get to go and meet people in face to face. And people were very disappointed that they were not going to get to come and hear me speak and, and shop and do whatever. So we came up with the idea of a virtual expo and we did not charge admission. Uh, many people do these virtual expos and, and, and seminars and things, but they charge for them. And it does leave some people out of the mix. So we said, well, what if we put together something and we get people to agree to be on our online expo as guests, we will interview them, we'll teach, we'll make it free of charge. But during that same weekend, we will also have a sale on our website, the same that we would do if we were at an in-person expo. And I have to tell we I think we had six guests over Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was incredibly successful, so successful. And the thing is we could afford to give a discount on the products because we weren't paying for airplanes and hotels and eating out and you know moving our product from one place to another. So in the end, it worked out so well that we said, why don't we do virtual expos four times a year at no charge, have sales, you know, make product available, make experts available. And the experts are willing to, to be on because 
they need the exposure as well. Susan Thixton from Truth About Pet Food. Uh, she sent me an email after she was on our virtual expo. And one of the things that Susan does for Truth About Pet Food is she researches pet food companies. And she puts out something called The List once a year with the list of pet food companies that are using human grade ingredients. They're showing her their bills of lading for their sourcing. Uh, they, they have to jump through hoops to get on her list and you can't buy your way onto the list. And if you're a day late with submitting your stuff, you're out. Uh, she's pretty strict and she's very strict, but it's her integrity and, and her um, reputation on the line. And she does ask for a donation to get the list. It pays for her time to do all of this. It's her only job. She works full time at this. And she sent me an email after the virtual expo, after being the guest and we were talking about her list. And she said, I just have to thank you because you saved me. No one had been buying the list and we were at a crucial turning point of having to not do this, do something different, find another way to, um, to deal with pet food. And it, it was a savior for her. So I consider that a win-win. We all got to learn a ton of information and Susan's business got a leg up at a time that it really needed it. So um, I think if we can continue to do things like that for others in the pet industry and we can be a resource um, for other entrepreneurs and others in the pet industry, when we uh, pick companies that we will sell their products, for instance, the Kid and Kind uh, line of shampoos and supplements, um, we've got bone broth, different things that we've picked up along the way, but, and this is, I don't consider myself famous, I, which is, you know, people tell me, oh, you're so famous, and, and I don't consider, and it took me a long time to figure out that I was actually an influencer, um, so we would pick up these companies and say, wow, I love your products, this is awesome, we want to carry your product line, we want to talk about your product line, and we've had many companies say to us, you, you, were the turning point for us. We would have gone under. Uh, we, we needed that. We needed that boost. And I didn't do it because I was trying to save their company. I did it because I genuinely love their products. And so people send me their products all the time and will say, will, will you review our product? Will you endorse our product? I'm like, well, you can send me your product. And if I don't like it, I won't say anything bad about it. I just won't mention it. If I do like it, I'm probably going to want to carry it. So um, I, I do look, I, I consider myself a bit of a consumer reports. I don't know if you know what the consumer reports is, but you know, you can't buy your way into a good review with, with me or with them. So, and, and, and with Susan. So that's what I look for in like Melissa Shelton. You can't, you can't buy Melissa's approval. Yeah. Uh, you know, if she likes, she makes her own oils because she couldn't find any that she approved of. So that's what we look for. Um, but it's, it's funny because I still, when people say, oh, you're so famous, I kind of go, really? Yeah. <laughs> it just seems weird to me. <laughs> oh, no, no. I think, yeah, yeah, maybe you don't see it because you're just, you're grinding away and you're just doing your thing. So I'm you just doing my thing. Yeah, you just do your thing and you don't really care, you know, what, was, what, what everyone else is saying. You just do it, um, you know, but... I just think that, yeah, you are an influencer and, you know, um, you It was accidental. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you've been, you've been online for since, how long has Breakfast with Spaniel been online? 
Bye. Breakfast with Spaniels has been on, I want to say three and a half years. We started it right around Christmas time. And I think this coming Christmas will be the end of the fourth year. I think that's four years. Um, so, and breakfast with Spaniels, that was kind of one of those, we literally sat at the breakfast table. That's how it got the name. And I sat the dogs on the bench next to me. And uh, I think we just did it with my iPhone. We didn't have any decent equipment. And over the years, Hugh's the one behind accumulating equipment. He, he loves to accumulate equipment. Uh, but we've gone through many different microphones, many different cameras, many different lighting setups, uh, trying to figure out what works well. And um, it, in my dream world, I would have a nice little recording studio uh, that had really high quality sound and uh, it, it, it's been really interesting because we, we do it out of our house and, you know, sometimes the family is walking through or the dog is throwing up next don't, to don't me. Change you know, it. Don't change it. <laughs> I, I think this is, this is what I love about well, it. Well, <laughs> I, I think people like the fact that it's personal and that um, they get to see everything that that's a mistake and the technical difficulties. And I, I think it makes us more human. And yes. I think people very authentic, that. very authentic. I, yeah. think, I think that's yeah. why, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy watching you. And I have to say the word, I love both you and Hugh so much because it's through, <laughs> it's through seeing everything. And I, you know, and I have to say, when you have your technical difficulty days, you know, I laugh <laughs> and, I, and I can actually understand that because, you know, um, uh, yeah, things, things happen, shit happen, you know, and it's yeah. real, you know, and you don't make it, you know, like a lot of people think <laughs> social media is all, you know, pretty and perfect. And, you know, you have to have a, a, a certain persona and you have to speak a certain way, uh, which again, I love it when you have your so soapbox days. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves soapbox days. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you have your new software, you know, where you have your, your little words going across the bottom of the screen. Oh, yep. Hugh did. Um, and uh, he'll put the word soapbox. <laughs> it's like, yay! Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. People send me emails and I just get, I get so activated. It's like, ah, oh, your vet did what? You're, you know, you did what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but oh well that's how we learn so <laughs> thank you for listening to part one of dr judy's story look out for part two of her interview after our launch series wow i'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe download rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.